My name is Ben Jimmy. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Elevated Conversations podcast. Previously, these conversations were held amongst myself, colleagues, and clients. But now, I'm letting you in in the hopes of inspiring new perspective and elevating thoughts. Let's get into it. You are welcome to the Elevated Conversation podcast. I am beyond excited for my guest today. Uh, we are going to be talking about real estate investing and pretty much getting into wealth building using um, your personal story, uh, using new strategies, uh, using leveraging uh, new resources out there you might have not talked about. Um, a little bit about our guest. Her name is Trisha Fori. She is a real estate entrepreneur and investor. Um, she is an amazing thought leader when it comes to wealth building, particularly helping local communities tap into their own inherent asset and use that as a currency for their own wealth building and financial freedom. So welcome, Trish. I'm happy to have you here. Thank you, Benga. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure for me to be here. Amazing, amazing. So let's get right into it. Why don't you tell us how you got into real estate investing and tell us your story? Awesome, awesome. So real estate, I would say, has always been, um, well, not always, but a part of my life since I, since I graduated from college. So I had a cousin. Um, who kind of gave me this really basic formula about real estate investing. Basically, we were having a conversation, I think, during the holidays, just about passive income. And so, you know, I was getting ready to go to college and going over like starting salaries. And at the time, it was like 2008, 2009, and like the salaries were probably about 35,000 for my field. I was studying like business administration, business marketing. So he gave me this formula. Basically you buy a house for $100,000. Your mortgage would be about $500. Then from there, it's a two bedroom house. You rent it out and he asked me how much you can rent it for. And, uh, you know, we looked at the numbers, different markets. We both were in different markets, but, you know, we said like around a thousand bucks. So we said, okay, you're renting this place out for a thousand bucks. Um, your mortgage is 500. So you're going to be making $500 a month. He said, okay, you can make that in passive income, but say you do that 10 times over, how much money is that? I said, well, that's $5,000 a month. Okay. Well, how much money is that a year? You know, 5,000 a month times 12, that's $60,000 a year. I said, wow, well, you can make more money doing this than I'm going to make with somebody paying me. <laughs> you know, this sounds a lot better. And so that was really what got my, got my head turning. And so when I graduated, I didn't really have any knowledge of real estate. My mom had bought a house or two, um, but I didn't really have any interest. I didn't really have, or I didn't have any, any, any real information. I didn't have the background. So I said, okay, I'm going to get into real estate sales. Um, and that's how I'm going to learn the industry. And so it kind of just started from there. When I first started in real estate sales, I was part-time. Um, working a couple of different jobs. I worked as a personal trainer. I worked selling memberships to a gym. I worked in property management. I did a whole bunch of just little things while trying to build up my real estate sales business. And then eventually I would say in about four years, four and a half years, I was able to go full time and 
um, that's when I just, you know, started going from there. But um, even early in my career, when I was about 25, I bought my first property. I bought that property for $100,000 and yeah, $100,000. And it sat on the market, I think, for about 250 days. It was in Deanwood, Northeast um, at Washington, D.C. That was my first investment. My mortgage was literally almost like the example me and my cousin went over about $550 um, a month in Washington, D.C. And you know, I wasn't really making a lot of money at the time, but as I started to get more in my career and make more money, um, you know, I was just able to save so aggressively because I was only paying $575 a month, you know, for my mortgage, for my housing expenses, and maybe, maybe I had a car note and some other small stuff, but my expenses were really um, small. And um, I was just able to save and then I had got into investing more. I started buying a house every year and that's really, you know, how I got started. Amazing. So, you know, it's interesting that when you started your real estate investing journey was around the corner when there was a real estate uh, crisis uh, in the market. You yeah. Know, and I think we're somewhat going through um, a financial crisis, a pandemic. And it's so interesting, like the other day I was on social media and yeah. I, met, I made a very provocative statement that um, there's nothing <laughs> called financial crisis. It simply means wealth and money is changing hands. And yeah. some people got happy, some people got mad. And someone reached out to me and said, okay, how do I get that money to come into my hand? I said, that is yeah. the right question. So I said, <laughs> the, I said, the answer to that, you gotta go from being a professional and entrepreneur to be an investor. So like, right. how would you kind of lay down the plan for, for a very brown new, um, aspiring real estate investor? What would you say are the ABCs to kind of get it into the game? Okay, yeah. So the first thing I would say is investing is a lifestyle. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle. You can't, you know, people always say, they say in real estate, it's a great, it's always a great day to sell or buy a house every day. It's a great day to buy or to sell. It doesn't matter what time of the year, what date, you know, what season. It's always great to buy and sell because if you get yourself prepared, you're, you'll always be ready. But I think, I think the, the, the biggest thing is just starting, just getting into just getting into whatever whatever it is, dipping your toes in, and it doesn't have to be with a very large amount. You know, you don't have to. It's not this. Hey, let's make a million dollars next year. Let's let's build a ten $10 billion dollar company. It's not so much about that. It's about learning, taking things step by step, and actually, how I learn the best is through action. You know, mm -hmm. so I think theory is great. Um, I think reading the podcast and listening to people's story and, you know, um, um, you know, just doing that type, type of learning, I think that's great. But I think you, you find out a lot about yourself when you actually jump in and you start to actually get a small taste of what it's like. And then you see how you react um, in certain situations. And then you really start to shape out what it is that you want to do a lot. There's a lot of things that say, hey, you know, everybody wants to be this landlord or everybody, you know, wants to have all these rental properties. Well, just try it once. See if you like being a landlord for one person. See if you like being a landlord for two people. And then once you try it out and maybe landlording isn't for you, that's fine because there's there's thousands of different ways that you can get involved in real estate investing or the stock market or whatever it is. But 
you don't, you need to get involved in the process to understand what your path can be, because what my path is, is really dependent on my personality, you know? Mm -hmm. So your path is going to be different than my path. So I think the biggest thing with people is educate yourself, read so that when people say stuff, you know, if it's true or if it, if it sounds too good to be true, um, and then just, just, just jump in and start to get a taste. That, that's how you get involved. I love what you said about real estate being a lifestyle. You know, just like financial literacy or financial empowerment or even financial freedom, uh, it comes down to financial discipline and it comes down to a lifestyle. So I think that is very, very important. Thanks for saying that. So you had the benefit of your cousin kind of showed you the way and mentored you and kind of led you through, uh, you know, the pathway to get into this world. Would mentorship also be an approach and how can you connect with like a real estate mentor or coach to kind of yeah. help you through that journey? Yeah, I think, and this is just kind of, it's, it's my opinion. There's a lot of talk um, now about mentorship and even now people are starting to talk again about like apprenticeship, you know, when, when working with their hands and skills are kind of coming back to be kind of the in style again or in vogue again. But um, I would say, I would say just like business, it's about relationships. Mm. You know, I think the more you network, the more you get deeper into your field, the more you study, the more you talk about your craft and your skill and what you're passionate about, I think those type of people start to become attracted to you. You know, I think in business to me, it's very organic and holistic. Mm -hmm. You know, it, real estate, one of the big things is use your sphere of influence for sales. Those are the people around you that you know, build your relationships deeper with them opposed to always trying to go wider because if you have 10 people that are really on your side, they can refer you to hundreds of different people, you know, but if you're trying to go so wide, you just are like trying to appeal to a, a lot of different people. And I don't think that's effective. So I think, you know, seeking out mentorship and, and apprenticeship is great. But I think that if you're a student of the game, the teacher will find you. I, I think mm. that. Mm, mm. I like that. You know, they say that the, the teacher appears, <laughs> the teacher appears when the student is ready. Yeah. So yeah. So, and when they're ready. Yeah. You have yeah. to be ready. You have to be ready for, you have to be, because you, you, it's like, if you don't know what an opportunity looks like, an opportunity can be right in front of your face, but you don't even have the, the skills to recognize it. So it's like, I think the deeper that you get involved in stuff, that that's when that that's when the stuff starts to to find you you know that's what it seems like excellent so let's talk about some specific opportunities or options here to getting started uh, usually um i know wholesaling it's typically an approach for a lot of people to kind of get started um so what would you say like the some like practical opportunities like never done a deal before i'm still renting i'm going to get into real estate investing what can you say that last part again? Um, I've never done real estate before, investing before. I'm still renting, but I want to get into investing in real estate. Uh, what can I start with? 
Yeah. Well, I think the first question is, what are your goals? You know, okay. you know, like what 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 are your specific what are your specific goals? Are you trying to what type of what type what type of real estate portfolio are you trying to create? You know, how, how much money are you trying to generate off your real estate portfolio? So it's hard to give specific advice, you know, if someone doesn't have a specific goal, if, unless you have a, a goal of where you want to go, because even people say stuff like, wow, you could really make a lot of money in real estate. But what's a lot of money? Well, somebody will say, oh, well, I don't know, $100,000. But $100,000 is not a lot of money to me. I mean, I can make that, but it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be a slave to 100,000. So it's it's about how much, it's, it's about what you want to get kind of out of the real estate investing. But if you want to build a portfolio um, that replaces your monthly income or your monthly expenses and your monthly expenses are maybe $2,000 a month, you can learn about the average cash flow in your neighborhoods and say we're in Baltimore or DC, say the average cash flow is $500 per property. You know, that means one property that you invest in will give you a cash flow of about $500 a month. So you say, okay, well, I want to replace that. I want to make $2,000 a month. So I need to buy four properties um, to replace my $2,000 a month in expenses. And then you work backwards from that step and you say, okay, well, in order for me to generate a property that's going to give me $500 cash flow, I have to buy, I have to buy a property every year or I have to buy a property um, for $200,000 in that, in that you know, with 20% down, if you're buying it as an investor, that's $40,000 plus, I don't know, plus $10,000 in closing costs. So you know that every deal that you get into, you're going to need about $50,000 to, to generate $500 with the cash flow, give or take. So then from there, you say to yourself, well, how long is it going to take me to save up $50,000 to invest in four properties? um to get to this cash flow and you say well i can save fifty thousand dollars me and my family can save fifty thousand dollars every every year and a half um and so we know it's going to take us five years you know or five and a half years to get to our goal so I, I think you just you just go like that you work backwards step from step and whatever your goals are you can break it down into data and then from there you you know what steps that you need to take and you know your milestones and your timetable to get you where you want to be. Okay, that is very helpful. Um, so in order to get to the lifestyle practices of real estate investing, I would argue that, you know, there are some low hanging fruits opportunities you can take advantage of um, when it comes to real estate investing. Um, you know, because when you talk about, you know, buying a property and buying four properties, the average person is like, all these numbers, Trish is talking, <laughs> you know, just buy one for 100,000 and flip for the 500, make it four and 10. The average man is like, is she talking about like candies or is she, is she talking, <laughs> we're talking about a whole house. Right. <laughs> you know, so. I would say let's let's kind of back up a little bit and let's take it really baby and, and little okay. steps. Yeah, I think that'll be that'll be very helpful. <laughs> Someone who's just getting brown new into the game. 
Um, what what about wholesaling? Um, is it? I think wholesaling. I would. I would think it's a good start for everyone to just kind of understand. You know how to do the basic real estate formula, contract reassignment, things like that. So, can you talk more about this kind of early stages? Just kind of put your foot in. Okay. Now, look, you you brought up one of my one of my favorite <laughs> topics. So, I don't want to offend anybody that's going to listen. You know, but I, I have I do have a an a, a not a it's a it's a strong opinion on wholesaling. So, for me, I. Two, two different parts of my real estate career. I would say one, when I first got in, my mindset was about, you know, sales, making money, you know, trying to get to the next level in my career, get to the next level just in life and just, just make some money, you know? Um, but I would say now um, within the past four years, I would say, you know, I've, 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 I haven't mastered real estate, but I have an understanding of how it works um, greater than when I first started. So I would say my focus is, is on community, community building and how I can use the knowledge that I have to elevate and strengthen communities, especially communities where people look like me and um, where people look like me. So I would say you got to look at stuff holistically and you also have to you also have to understand just investing. It is boring and it is kind of dry, but you have to understand investing one-on-one, just the, the fundamentals of, of just investing in general. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's real estate, stock market, you have to have an understanding of how you start to evaluate your returns, how you start to um, you know, look at um, your ROI, your return on investment, how you start to look at um, net profits and gross profits. So the thing with wholesaling is look at what you're doing. Wholesaling is typically only people who I would say don't have a lot of resources and don't have a lot of education on market trends. Those are the people that wholesalers target. And in our neighborhood, that tends to be older black people. That's how it was in DC. That's how it is in Baltimore. Some you know, older black people that have been in the neighborhood for years that have, that have, um, that have, you know, worked very hard to get to where they are um, and to, to have a house, but maybe that house became too much for them to handle, or maybe now that they're older, their kids aren't helping them and they can't pay, you know, they can't pay the $5,000 a year, the $6,000 a year worth the taxes. And people say, well, that's not really that much when you, you know, when you don't have a mortgage on the house. Yeah, but if you're on a fixed income and you don't have a lot of resources coming up with five to six thousand dollars a year, can be a lot. And so wholesalers, the strategy in urban cities is to go after those type of people because they have equity in their property. But then what you turn around and do is you say, hey, and and you gotta also think about what you're doing to the community. Hey this house is worth $200,000. But since you don't have a good understanding of the market, I'm going to offer you $120,000. I'll pay you cash and I'll get you the money in five days. Isn't that great? Well, what about that $80,000? Oh, well, I'm going to turn around and I'm going to sell that to an investor for $160,000. So now I've stripped a woman from my community 
$60,000 so I can make $20,000. So this guy who buys it, who's typically not from our community, he buys it and puts all these high-end renovations and high-end fixtures in it. And now he sells it for more than 250. And now that trend goes on and somebody sells it for 275. And now that trend of wholesaling taken from our community so I can make a buck and giving it to someone else. And now you, you, you have H Street, you have Columbia Heights because people wholesaled and stripped people of equity to make a buck, not to build wealth, to make some money, to generate some money to sell it to someone else, the investor that the investor that flips the house don't typically look like us, to, to, to then sell it to the very end user. And then we start to get the cycle of, well, now our neighborhoods are too expensive to maintain. That's because we have a scarcity mindset and everybody is trying to make money opposed to thinking about what is good for the, for the, for the, community, for the community holistically. So the question was about wholesaling. And so I think it's okay, but Wholesaling is not my entry into real estate. My entry into real estate is education. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I will say this. We definitely need <laughs> investors like you um, in the world. Yeah. You know, I think if, if more investors have this abundance, that's a scarcity mindset, uh, everyone will be better off, you know, with this type of mentality. So um, again, we need more people like you in, in, the, unis, in the real estate universe. So the last time we spoke, you were talking about this new model of wealth building um, and the American dream, you know, the typical model of, you know, get a house, you know, keep a market for 30 years and picket fence and all of that. But you were introducing this old new paradigm um, of still accomplishing, quote unquote, the American dream, but doing it in a new model, in a new way. Can you expand more about that? Yeah, yeah. So I think the last time we talked, I was talking about a, a nonprofit project um, with a with an organization um, that's incorporated. It's called Make Space, uh, Make Space LLC. And so basically, the mission is to really um, create live work spaces. And so when people think about live work space, you can think about it on a residential end, and you can also think about it on a commercial end. So in the commercial when a live workspace is say you have a three unit building, you have your business that you run on the first floor, you live on the second floor with your family or yourself, and on the third floor you rent it out and you generate income. Um, and then also you can think about just a traditional maker space where you have almost like a loft type of setup um, downstairs, it's not it's not zoned commercially, but you have a designated area to work, um, to create, um, to study, to brainstorm, that type of stuff. And then you also, you live, you know, it can be an open concept or closed concept, but you live in the same quarter. So um, I was talking about live workspaces and just with the way that things are changing, technology is changing, the, the ability to be able to, to work anywhere and also I think with this resurgence of community self-sufficiency and also um, communities really leading um, the change behind or the, the being the catalyst for community neighborhood development, I think the live workspaces allows people to um, cut down on their cost while also um, 
gaining the benefits of home ownership uh, while also bringing in income, but while also creating different business opportunities um, in the neighborhood that are locally and um, that are kind of locally grown. So that, that was probably what I was discussing. Okay, great. So let's talk about credit. Um, so whether it is like home ownership for yourself or real estate investing, I believe credit plays a role. Um, mm -hmm. So can you speak more about your advice in, you know, using credit? Because I think credit's like a muscle. You gotta use mm -hmm. it. Um, but so just give your perspective on whether it is getting your credit to excellent status or whether it is even using it because you can build credit on your life and not know how to use it. So, or even how to get it good. Or do you yeah. even need credit to get into investing? <laughs> so let me know your thoughts hey, on that. Okay, here's my thing about credit. This is big thing in the black community. Everybody is trying to fix your credit, fix your credit, get your credit better. My opinion is this, you know, <laughs> how you have good credit, you just have to pay everything on time. It's like a very, I, I understand, you know, the, the barriers and, and how, you know, how you can get in a situation where your credit is not the best. But the biggest thing with credit that people need to realize is one, you have to pay stuff on time. Like if you obligate yourself to this bill, you have to pay it on time. And that means you have to manage your money. And that means you can't take on more than what you can afford. Now, has that happened to me? I've taken on more than what I what I can handle. Then I had to dig myself out. So it's not like a, like, oh, you know, it's easier said than done. But I mean, that's, you just have to pay stuff on time and not get over leveraged. That's how you have good credit. But how do you use your credit? You can use it to invest. I mean, that's the beauty of being in, the United States, that's why people are rushing to get, I mean, that's why people want to come to this country because you can take $100,000 here, you know, and you can you can buy something for a million dollars and you can turn that around that a million dollars and maybe you can, you can make, you can make, I don't know, 300, 200, you can make money off of that money. You can make money off of leveraged money. You can buy a $300,000 house in, in Washington DC and not have $300,000. And then that house appreciates and creates, you know, an additional, say, two hundred thousand dollars. So now you put sixty thousand dollars into a deal, and you've been able to create two hundred thousand dollars. So you can make money off of money with credit. Um, that's that's the that's the beauty of it. You can accelerate yourself um, to financial freedom quicker here, individually than you can do somewhere else. So I think, yes, credit is credit is a great tool to be used here. But again, you have to really understand the fundamentals of investing, average returns on investment. And if somebody is offering you a, a, a very large um, return on your investment, anything over 30%, you know, anything over 30% that's passive, that's a high risk. That's a high risk investment, and you need to understand what you're putting your money into. You also spoke about um, education. That you're more big on. You're very big on education, financial education. So that said, like, what is one of the most beneficial money advice or education uh, you ever received? Hmm. I don't know if there's one, 
I don't know if there's one. I would say one thing that I, um, well, there's a couple of phrases. So one is education costs money. Um, you know, it doesn't matter where you get educated. It's always gonna cost you in some form of fashion. Um, and then I think the second form of um, advice that I think is good is to invest in yourself and to really understand what that means um, and to invest in your knowledge and your, your, um, your mindset. You know, those, those are really two things, um, two pieces of, of financial advice I, I would give to people, really investing yourself in your education because that's how you, you need to learn and you need to be able to, you know, critically think. Mm. Um, invest in yourself. You know, the one that I got was a um, couple of them, the, one, the ones that come to mind right now. You know, but all, before I got into investing and before I got into financial literacy and empowerment, I often will hear investors that I look up to talk about that money is a terrible master and a wonderful servant. And I was like, well, you know, that sounds nice, but what exactly that? So I kept hanging, everyone saying it, everyone yeah. saying it. And these were like thought leaders, these are people in the forefront. And, and I finally got it that really financial empowerment start. You just have to figure out a way to make your money work for you. And yes. however you get it, you know, it could be real estate, it could be stocks, it could be philanthropy, it could be, yes. you know, you just got to figure out a way to, I think for me, that was very empowering. The second one is that more money um, does not solve financial problem. Um, yeah. You know, it is education and your choices that would solve your financial problem. Um, you know, so I think those exactly. are the two, two wisdom lessons I got regarding, uh, regarding money. Regarding money. Um, so uh, I would say lastly, like, um, you know, you talk about your nonprofit projects, um, if you want to expound on it more or any other project or exciting things you have down the pipe or coming up the pipe that you're excited about, you want to share with us? Um, exciting projects coming up. So what, I, what I'm working on right now on the for-profit side, uh, we're still rehabbing and uh, reselling houses. So we have two houses hopefully coming up uh, that will be ready to go. I'm thinking this is already December. So January, February, March, probably around March, March, April, um, two products ready to go. One is in uh, right near Morgan University. I'm drawing a blank on the name of the neighborhood, Lauraville in Baltimore City. So that'd be a single family house, four bedrooms, three baths, uh, about 2000 square feet. Um, and then we have something coming up. Hopefully it's still, this one's still in the works, but this is in the Hamden neighborhood. Um, in Baltimore, Maryland, and that is uh, also be a single family house. Um, that one will be about four bedrooms, two, four bedrooms, three baths and a basement. So we have um, those projects coming up in March and April. And then on the nonprofit side, um, uh, just some projects in the work. Um, I've been putting offers, we've been putting offers in on different lots and different vacant buildings in Baltimore City. Um, to do to do the live work spaces and to, to pilot this program that we've been talking about for make space, and um, that th that's a little bit further down the line. We're applying for the Capital Catalyst Grant, um, which is this this grant in um, in Baltimore City, and this is their second round. They have about seven million dollars worth of funding to give out to emerging 
and um, established organizations, but they have a large portion, portion I think about 60% or something like that, that is, um, that they're setting aside to give away to uh, emerging organizations. So I think that's huge. I think the city of Baltimore is doing a lot of um, creative things to really try to, to, to try to um, thwart or to stop the, the issue they're having with vacant or they have had with vacant or blighted houses. So um, there's, four, there's four vacant houses um, that I'm looking at and a couple of different other, different other projects. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and that's about, that's about it. I'm, mm. you know, that's, that's about it. Mm. That's, you know, I got that's, some other stuff going on, but. Excellent. You know. <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I well, we all have a lot of things going on. <laughs> Personal. <laughs> Personal. Personal. Yeah, I got some other stuff going on too. <laughs> yeah, so let, yeah, let's keep it to the business and invest in stuff. And lastly, Trisha, I want to ask you about um, Baltimore, you know. Yeah. I've gotten mixed feedback when it comes to investors like yourself um, yeah. in urban cities like Baltimore. Um, some said it's the best investment decision they had. Some said not too much, you know, so, and a lot of people still have that mixed emotions or feelings or perception when it comes to getting into communities, urban communities, particularly the city of Baltimore. Yeah. Well, what's your experience? What would you say to someone considering that? I would say this um, again, like I'm not, I'm not even, so I spent 12 years in Washington, DC. Um, so I, I think anybody trying to go somewhere new or trying to try something different, it doesn't matter what sector you're in, if you're in real estate, if you're in, you know, sales, if you're in government, I think you really have to focus on building relationships and getting to know the people that are there. And, 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 and I think it's also about like, not so much service, but I, I think, you know, you, you wanna do stuff that you enjoy, but you wanna do stuff that's impactful. You know, you always have to ask yourself, what's the reason? Are you just trying to do something to make a buck? Well, if you're just trying to do something to make a buck, you're, you're not gonna have the same experience as someone who's trying to um, really make some type of impact that not only benefits themselves, but benefits the people around them. I think people that, when you think about other people and you don't put yourself first, I think that's when you get the best results. Anyway, so in terms of Baltimore City, you know, just like when I got to Washington, D.C., um, you know, take some time to build some relationships and to really understand how you can best help, because how you can best help in Baltimore is probably it might not be the same way that you could best help in Washington, D.C. So. I mean, that's, that's what I would say about Baltimore City. Um, there is a lot of um, things, you know, that on the real estate side, there's a lot of things that are going on to try to really stimulate um, the economy here in terms of the real estate side. But I also see that, you know, and I, I'm not in all the different sectors, so I can't 100% speak, but there's also, you know, a lot of initiatives in the arts here, um, you know, a lot of initiatives in housing, a lot of initiatives around social um, impact, um, a lot of around, you know, social enterprises, local business. So I think there are a lot of different things going on here. So I would say if you're coming to Baltimore City, if you're coming to Washington, D.C., if you're coming to Seattle, I mean, if you're coming to Ghana, you know, it doesn't, Nigeria, it doesn't matter where you're coming. I think you should come with your ears open and really try to understand 
not only what you can get from the place, but um, what you can give. Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Tris. This has been an elevating conversation, and I'm so glad that you said yes to my invitation and you made this happen. Um, thank you very much for being here. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for tuning into the Elevated Conversations podcast. And just a reminder, conversations create miracles and you are only one conversation away from your next breakthrough. I will talk to you next time. Bye.